The second lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the third chapter, beginning with the 13th verse. Listen again for God's word to us. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's lovely to be here, Nassau. Good to see you. I'm an honorary member of the Her Nation. <clears throat> I'm an honorary member of the choir. Hi, Noel. I miss you. <laughs> it's good to be here on this Baptism of the Lord Sunday. Isaiah 42. You've heard it twice now. Here's the third time. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. And from Matthew 3, Jesus answered John, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. So whenever I uh, do a baptism, see a baptism, been a long time now, many baptisms, I think about the Lion King. <laughs> <clears throat> the Lion King was the first film our older son, Will, saw in a movie theater. It was a big deal. He was not quite three. You will remember that The Lion King is the story of Simba, the lion cub, who is heir to the throne. And there's this scene where Rafiki, the shaman, the religious person, uh, marks the cub marks the cub with a sign, and then lifts him high in this formal presentation for all to see. And Will, who was not quite three, said to me in a really loud voice, as children do in the movie theater, Mom, he's being baptized. I was like, yes. <laughs> he's a, still a really smart kid. Yes. Mom, he's being baptized. And it was, right, a rite of passage. And so you will remember that in the familiar trope, Simba has to take his wayward hero's journey before growing into his true identity and appointed role. And his father's voice from heaven says, remember who you are. Remember who you are. That's what your, our baptismal identity is about. Remember 
who you are. So it's interesting, Matthew's version of the baptism of Jesus is sort of, a, it's a similar investiture ceremony for a king. A king who is invested with power and authority by the Holy Spirit and yet fully embraces his humanness, the muckiness of life. In Jesus Christ, God condescends to humanity. Humanity responds in faith and repentance, right? And yet there's this thing that runs through the story of the baptism of Jesus. If you read it in the synoptics, John doesn't even put it in there because it's a little uncomfortable for the gospel writers. The idea of Jesus being baptized by John, who baptizes for repentance of sins. You can tell they're trying to work it out. Would Jesus even need forgiveness or to repent of sin? And John himself is not very comfortable <laughs> with the idea. Wait a minute, I should be baptized by you, not the other way around. And Jesus, um, who is very verbose in the Gospel of Matthew, explains that baptism is necessary. It's necessary to fulfill all righteousness. It's necessary because it's what God wants. As you might imagine, there are great swaths of head-spinning theological writing about this. Uh, that word righteousness appears numerous times in Matthew, mostly connected to Jesus, sometimes connected to discipleship. For Matthew, righteousness means obeying and doing God's righteous will. So even Jesus, especially Jesus, the beloved son, obeys the will of God and submits to baptism, modeling for us the way to live. Jesus' first words in this gospel, he doesn't say anything when his mom is reaming him out after the synagogue episode. <laughs> his first words are, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way baptism, to fulfill all righteousness. This king is about obedience. Obedience to the will of God. And when I was working on this this week, I saw something for the very first time. It's, it's, so, it's so great when you get an, a, an Easter egg uh, in a text you've read all your life. Did you notice that Jesus actually waits for John to get on board? He waits for John to, to decide, okay, I understand. If this is what God wants, I'm going to do it. There's this little sentence that says, then he consented. And I think that's John. Then he consented. I love that so much. In Matthew, the voice from heaven announces Jesus' identity after his baptism. My son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. It's a public setting in other gospels. Nobody hears the voice but Jesus. Everybody hears the voice proclaiming who Jesus is. Obedience, submission to God's purposes are the hallmark of Jesus' ministry. Obedience and submission to God's purposes are the hallmark of discipleship.
our role, discipleship. Jesus models for us how to live as a baptized person. Obedience. In his baptism, Jesus is fully human, even unto baptism for our sake, fully human, even unto death, baptism completed in death for our salvation. And this begins Jesus' public ministry, baptism. And obedience is challenging. What's the next thing that happens? Out to the wilderness, led by the Spirit, to be tested. Jesus' ministry has been connected and identified with, the lectionary pairs these two together, with the servant in Isaiah 42, chosen, spirit-led, a delight, light-bearer, justice-bringer. One commentator says that in Isaiah 42, the servant's ministry encompasses humility, reserve, endurance, and obedience. Humility, reserve, endurance, and obedience. That has stuck with me this week. Clearly, that's something that God wants me to be working on. This humility, reserve, endurance, and obedience are what is necessary to bring about justice. And that word justice in the Old Testament is about distributive justice. It's about people having enough, all people having enough. It's necessary for the opening of eyes, the release of prisoners, to be a light to the nations. This servant in Isaiah 42 is patient, nurtures this, brood, this, this bruised reed to grow it up, tending the tiniest of flames until it's steady, right? Takes time, takes time to do the work that God calls us to do. The servant enacts God's vision that all people might flourish all people, all the nations. And so following after our Lord as baptized people, our call is to heed, listen for, and be obedient to God's claim on our lives. We belong to God, not just to ourselves, not just to our families. We belong to God. And our culture does not prize obedience, perseverance, humility, endurance. Maybe for the Iron Man, endurance, right? Obedience is a somewhat alien concept in our world, in a society where what matters to me is paramount. I'll be obedient to what I think is right. But Jesus teaches us obedience is not about what I want. And obedience is about more than one person, right? God's call 
for the individual as part of the community, the community of believers. It takes a lifetime to grow into what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience, a long obedience. Baptism, it's the root of our identity. It's the beginning of our Christian vocation, just as it was for Jesus. We hear these promises of Isaiah and of Matthew as God's loving call and claim on our lives. I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness, taken you by the hand and kept you, given you as a covenant to the people. Beloved child of God, pleasing to God, that's who you are. That's who I am. That's who we are. Beloved children of God, with whom God is well pleased. Let's not be so hard on ourselves. Beloved children of God, claiming and living into our baptismal identity takes a lifetime, and it crosses through. It's the line that threads through all of our life, vocation, avocation, Relationships, service, ministry, death, our baptism completed in death. In baptism, God claims us, the community welcomes us, and in baptism, God calls us in righteousness to seek justice and mercy, to care for the people who are vulnerable, to care for the vulnerable world. When we baptize children, we make promises to help raise them in the faith long before they know of it god claims them and calls them to this life of service and it's our responsibility as the community to teach our children that god's call and claim for them are for now not for when they're grown-ups down the road for now In Isaiah 42, the Lord proclaims new things, new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. New things. The world has shifted seismically, we know, since the onset of the pandemic. People are sick again. I read this morning the CDC is calling New Jersey an orange state and is uh, suggesting strongly that we all mask up again because of the triple thing that's going on. Feels like Groundhog Day. Feels like Groundhog Day, like we're running in place. I think of my life, these are the times that I've called the most for the humility and reserve and endurance and obedience of the disciples' life and patience with one another, patience with ourselves. But in this crazy time we're living in, God is doing new things 
with God's church, in and through God's church, even now. The world of the church is morphing. It's really exciting, I think. We know that church attendance patterns had begun shifting long before the pandemic. This shift has accelerated in the last couple years. We know some things. There's a lot we don't know yet, but we know some things. We know that we must continue to make worship available online. We know that church attendance is no longer a primary marker of church vitality. Big shift in these last few years. Church attendance is no longer a primary marker of church vitality. Some people do better at home these days. If you have mobility issues, it's a blessing to stay home and not go outside on a winter morning. If you are immunocompromised, it's a blessing to be able to worship from your home. If you are wrangling multiple kids who have taken turns being sick for the last three months, and you're still trying to keep some of them in school every once in a while, it's a blessing to have a pajama day on a Sunday morning. I think digital engagement, deeper digital engagement with our people is the ministry opportunity of our lifetime. There's a huge shift. Things have changed. Staying connected to disciples means meeting them within the geography of their lives. Whether that's physical geography or spiritual geography, or, or mental geography, right? It doesn't just mean, oh, come here, right? Digital discipleship is the new frontier. I, we don't know what that means. We have no idea what that looks like. But we're living into this new time, right? There are congregations that are uh, calling like a part-time digital pastor whose call is to stay connected and build community among the people who are online, who may never walk in the doors here for all kinds of reasons. I'm sure you are like every other congregation and you have people watching you from all over the world. Those people are part of the life of this church. What does that mean for us, right? What does discipleship mean? What does church membership even mean in these times for people who are engaged but not physically here, right? I think it's a really exciting time for ministry. I know we're tired, but it's an endurance thing. It's an endurance thing. We're looking at the long obedience of our life together. So in these uncertain and hugely possibility engaged times, right? It's both and, uncertain and really exciting. The call is for us to remember who we are and to claim it. Remember who you are. If I had James Earl Jones' voice, right? 
Mufasa says, remember who you are to Simba. Remember who you are and claim it. Child of God. Beloved child of God. Chosen. A delight. Spirit-filled. And remember your baptismal call to follow Jesus. This is, we're at the beginning of Matthew, the end of Matthew, as you know, the Great Commission. To follow Jesus, to baptize, to make disciples. Even in the new world we're living in, to make disciples. But today, if you took nothing else from this while you were doing your grocery list or daydreaming or whatever you were doing during the sermon, remember who you are. Beloved child of God, called and claimed as disciple. Thanks be to God. Amen.